Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Friday edition of the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. This is for Friday, May 6th. Please do not adjust your listening devices. This is Mark Schofield. I'm going to be running the show here today because this is Friday. And what we usually do when you're playing football and it's Friday and you got a game that weekend, you spend time with the specialists. And this is going to be Specialist Friday with Mr. Zotta, my co-host as always. Chuck, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I mean, it's uh, it's been a busy week. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of action in uh, in the specialist ranks this week. Not much happening during the draft, but after it, it's been pretty jam packed. And uh, I think it's in general, uh, you know, one thing that I always tell people: the majority of specialists end up coming from uh, the undrafted free agency period. It's I think you're going to see a lot more guys coming out of that this year, just because it was a very talented class. And I think that, you know, you've got a lot of guys here that have the potential uh, to save their team some money on the position and uh, put up some pretty good numbers, too. Now, something that did happen during the draft, and it actually happened during the second round, was Roberto Aguayo, who was, I believe, your number one kicker on your board. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers trade up in the second round to draft him. What were your thoughts when you saw that move made? And do you think this made sense for a team to trade up within the second round to draft a kicker? Well, my, my first thought was that if, uh, if I were that kicker, uh, it would be scaring the pants off me because the second that you talk about trading up to draft a kicker, immediately every single eye is going to be on that guy. Just because, uh, and you saw this during the draft, you saw it after the draft, every single person out there, whether they are uh, a draft expert or whether they simply think they're one, said, I can't believe Tampa Bay traded up to get a kicker. This guy better be the best kicker in the history of the league. Well, Odds are, Roberto Aguayo isn't going to be the best kicker in the history of the league. It's not because he's not a great player. It's just because that's an incredibly high bar to set. Roberto Aguayo is probably going to be an above-average kicker in the NFL from day one, but above-average isn't good enough when your team traded two picks to get back in the second round in a draft where no other kicker was taken. So it's, it's a tough position for Aguayo just because I think it sets the expectation so high that even if he performs exactly as I think he should, I think it's going to be a little bit unfair to him just because uh, the expectations are going to be so high given the situation uh, in which he was acquired there. So I think it puts him behind the eight ball a little bit. Uh, I think he's a tough kid. I think he's a great kicker. And I think if there's anyone who can handle this, he is certainly up to the challenge. Uh, But, you know, my my stomach kind of did a somersault when I saw it because I'm sitting there going... Oh, this is like immediately all eyes are on him, and that's not what you want as a specialist starting out. Did it surprise you that it was Tampa Bay that made this move? I mean, by, after drafting Aguayo, they had to cut Connor Barth, who was a fairly decent kicking option for the Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, it was a little bit surprising to me simply because, as you mentioned, uh, Connor Barth, very capable kicker, certainly a guy uh, who, you know, not going to knock your doors off in terms of performance, but, you know, generally a pretty average kicker when it's all said and done for his career, 84.8%, you know, right about where the league average has been since he's been in the league, seven years of experience in total, 30 years old. You know, Tampa, Tampa Bay saves a little bit of money in doing this, so maybe that's a factor here. Uh, but I thought it was a little bit surprising that this was where, uh, you know, Aguayo ended up going just because it wasn't really the area of biggest need for Tampa Bay. If this were a team, uh, you know, such as 
uh, Cleveland, who had struggled with kickers over the last couple of years. Uh, if it was a situation, um, you know, like Philadelphia, where you've had some issues here and there, a situation like Jacksonville, you know, those are all areas where. I could have seen someone taking him. Buffalo, I think. A lot of people up there uh, had some frustrations with Dan Carpenter, rightly or wrongly, over the last couple of years. You know, those are some of the areas where I think you could have probably seen him taken. But, you know, Tampa Bay didn't really stand out to me as an area of major need for them. And I wonder if they spent a little more draft capital than they wanted to, uh, even though the the upgrade I think they're going to get isn't going to be as big as some of those other teams would have been. Now, Aguayo was the only kicker drafted. There were some punters and even a lawn snapper that heard their names called, and we'll get to those guys. But did it surprise you that Aguayo was the only kicker selected? It did, especially because this is a this is a draft that I think had a number of kickers uh, that warranted late round selections and I generally don't believe in taking any kicker before the third round the third round is the highest grade that I will give to any kicker just because I don't believe he can make a big enough difference to warrant a higher pick but Aguayo had a third round grade for me so he was as good as it gets but I certainly had kickers uh, most notably I had two other kickers that I thought should have been drafted in Ross Martin and uh, Brad Craddock both of whom ended up being undrafted Martin heading to the Jets Craddock to the Browns. Ironically, both of those teams picked up additional kickers uh, during the undrafted free agency period. So you're going to have a lot of competition, I think, uh, in camp for those guys as they go. But I'll tell you, you know, those guys, I think, are going to be able to compete for starting jobs right away. You go down the list, there's some other guys who I think potentially have, uh, you know, the ability to work their way in this year. I think Kaime Fairbairn, even though he wasn't in uh, what I would consider the draftable category, I I think has the potential if he performs well uh, to be able to contribute sometime this year. So he's another guy that's out there. Those were really the four that I think are ready on day one to be able to do some work. A number of other guys are pretty intriguing as some longer term prospects, but I think those four right off the bat, Fairbairn went to uh, the Houston Texans. I think those four have the ability on day one to be able to really do some work for teams and contribute uh, at the NFL level. How do you feel about Martin's prospects with the Jets? So I, I think Martin in general is about as solid of a kicker from uh, a technique and mental standpoint as as you'll see here. He's not going to do anything flashy. He doesn't stand out in terms of uh, you know the way that he goes about his business, but he, he simply puts up points and he simply is incredibly consistent here. I think he's a guy uh, that has proven himself with a number of late game kicks that have been uh, in clutch situations, a couple different uh, games against Virginia Tech in recent years with games on the line. He's also a guy that went through some struggles during his sophomore year, and I'm always interested to see how kickers perform after a period in which they struggle because every single kicker is going to go through that at some point, whether it's uh, in practice when you're in high school, whether it's in a college season, whether it's in the playoffs like we saw from a uh, couple guys this uh, in, in the playoffs this year with Steven Goskowski, of all people, missing an extra point. You want to see how they bounce back from adversity. And, and Martin came back with two phenomenal years in his junior and senior year, and because of that, you know, you look at that and you say, okay, this this guy, you know, saw struggles at a high level and was able to overcome them. You like that in a kicker because you're always going to miss kicks. You hope that you don't, but you always will have uh, a missed kick at some point. 
you need to bounce back. And that's that's what stands out to me the most about Martin is his ability to bounce back from that sophomore year and come through with two really strong years there. One of the teams you mentioned that you know might have been a better fit or it wouldn't have surprised you if they had traded up and done what Tampa Bay did and drafted Aguayo was the Cleveland Browns. Now, they signed Andrew Baggett, a kicker out of Missouri. He kicked like six field goals in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, an all-star game, one of the lower-tier ones. Do you think that Baggett has a chance to stick in Cleveland? Well, the, the Browns signed him in addition to uh, Brad Craddock, so they, they brought in a couple different options there, um, and I think it speaks to the lack of confidence that they have in their current kicking situation, just because they did have uh, some well-documented issues uh, with Travis Coons in, uh, uh, what was it, uh, either a, was it a Thursday night game or a Monday night game? I can't remember where he had that kick blocked. Was it a th- it was, I think it was a Thursday night game. I think it was a Thursday night game. Now, Coons had himself a very nice rookie year overall, 87.5% accuracy, uh, you know, only missed four kicks on the year, but you know, missed both attempts that he had from 50 plus seven of nine from 40 to 49. So struggled a little bit at distance. And I think that they may just want a little bit more consistency there. Missed two extra points as well. And I think in particular, you know, we saw in the, in the playoffs this year, the importance of extra points. Now Craddock is a guy who isn't going to wow you with his leg strength. His leg strength uh, is average to probably even a little bit below average for an NFL kicker. But in terms of his accuracy from you know 48 yards and in, they're, they're, he's as good as it gets out there. So I, I think that Cleveland may simply be trying to go in that direction. Uh, and at the very least, they're creating competition there, which I like to see. Um, I think that when it's all said and done, Craddock does have a slight edge at this point, in my opinion, just because I think he's going to be more consistent at short distance and take some of those questions off the table. But it's it's going to be a battle that I think continues through training camp, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see it you know, probably come down to the wire when it's all said and done there. Another one of the UDFA signings is a guy that you've written about, and that's Anthony Pistelli, uh, who finds himself, he'll now be heading down south to uh, join the New Orleans Saints. Uh, what do you think about that signing, and do you think Pistelli has a chance to stick in the NFC South? Yeah, Pistelli's a guy that I wrote about just prior to uh, the draft this year, and he's a guy that I don't think is necessarily going to be able to contribute right away, but I think long-term, he has the potential to have a very long and very stable career in the NFL. Pistelli, uh, coming out of Samford University, you know, small school, FCS school, only 6,700 seats in the stadium there. The big thing for him that I think, and the reason why a guy like him went undrafted, very consistent numbers the last couple of years, 84 and 86% from uh, field goals. But the big questions that he had, he's never kicked in front of big crowds, so you don't know how he's going to do uh, necessarily in front of 50 or 60,000 people. And beyond that, only three attempts from 50 plus and one for three there. If you look at him, you know, just kicking in shorts and a t-shirt, He's booming him through from 60, 65 yards, no problem at all. So he's got the leg. He just doesn't have enough track record for someone to start on day one and say, this guy is worth a draft pick. But I think you look at what he brings to the table. He has probably the smoothest and most efficient motion in this year's draft. And because of that, I think you know the techniques there, he just needs to be able to show that he can do what he does at a high level. And and I think, 
you know, the sky's the limit for him in terms of, you know, he makes it look very, very easy. And I think as long as he lets his natural talent do the work, I think he could be a guy who, much like Steven Hauschka a couple of years ago, you know, came in, kicked around practice squads for a couple of years before getting a shot. He could follow a similar path and that he won't contribute on day one, but you go out to 27 or 2018 and he could find himself with a starting job in the NFL. What about some of the other guys that were recent UDFA signings? Anybody stick out to you as having a chance to make it in this league right now? You know, there's a couple other guys I think that probably are going to kick around practice squads for a little bit. John Lunsford to the 49ers is one of them. Uh, Lunsford, I had some serious questions about just because his accuracy was, to be quite honest, not very good. Uh, And, you know, part of it, Lunsford kicked at uh, Liberty in in general. The blocking and uh, battery operation that you have at that level isn't always the most consistent. And I know that he had some issues with that after talking uh, with uh, one of his kicking coaches. But he's a guy that, when you look at the pure leg strength, probably right now would have the strongest leg in the NFL. I mean, this is a guy who can make field goals in, you know, in shorts up to 70, 72 yards, no problem. I mean, this, this guy has a massive leg. The question is, can he rein it in and build the confidence Rhett needed uh, to be able to compete at the NFL level? So I think he's another two- to three-year project to see if he's able to get there. I have more questions about him uh, than Pistelli just because the natural – uh, control isn't necessarily there. You know, a couple other signings that people had asked me about. Um, Marshall Morgan going to the Bills. Morgan's a guy who was in the 70s for accuracy for Georgia the last couple of years. That type of performance doesn't really stick out to me as being ready for prime time. So I think he has a, a ways to go right now. Uh, you know, some of the other guys that are out there, lots to the Ravens. I mean, you're not going to unseat Justin Tucker. So I think it's, you know, probably just a camp body just to get a little bit of push there. Um, but I think, you know, when you go through this list, there are five or six guys in total. You know, the four that I mentioned off the top, Aguayo, Martin, Craddock, and Fairbairn, I think are ready to go day one. And then I think, you know, beyond that, I think Lunsford and uh, Pistelli potentially have, have a chance a couple of years down the road. But I think, you know, six kickers out of a class that have a chance to really do some long-term damage, that, that's pretty solid. So I think, in general, the, that's where I stand as far as the, the cream of the crop in this class. Uh, the rest of them, you know, you, you may see one make it, but I, I don't really see a ton there beyond that. Let's talk about the punters for a little bit. We saw three come off the board. Uh, actually, during the draft, we saw Drew Kayser from Texas A&M get picked by the Chargers in the sixth round. Yep. And Lack Edwards by the Jets in the seventh, as well as Riley Dixon by the Broncos in the seventh. Now, I'd imagine you're probably not high on Riley Dixon's chances given who they have at punter. But what about the other two guys? And I'm curious about Edwards because the Jets then went out and grabbed Tom Hackett, the punter from down under, our, our, who our good friends Wooten Y love uh, from Utah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much uh, buying multiple Jets jerseys at this point just because of the uh, the situation there. L- going through the list of guys who are drafted, Kayser's going to be able to step in on day one for the Chargers, and he will be an above-average punter. He has uh, all the tools necessary to compete. He's going to get plenty of time to continue to refine his game. He's a guy that within you know the first two to three years should be in the upper echelon of punters in the NFL. Uh Lachlan Edwards going to uh, the Jets. Big, big leg. 
has some question marks in terms of directional ability as well as ball control. I think that you know it's you have some questions there as to whether or not he's able to really, uh, really effectively compete in this league on day one. I think the the leg is clearly there. The question is, can he control it and get himself to where he needs to be? You mentioned that Hackett went there as well. Uh, Hackett's a guy that you know anyone who talks to him, you pretty much love him because he is. Uh, you know, kind of along the Brad Wing line of uh, punters in that, you know, a lot of swag, a lot of, uuh, you know, kind of style. And I think he's a guy that'll find himself having a place in this league, even if it's not necessarily on the Jets here. Riley Dixon, you know, the more I look at the situation, I think you're going to see Britton Colquitt getting forced out of, uh, getting forced out of Denver. Really? I, I, I think so, just because Britton Colquitt's a guy that they had tried to renegotiate his contract last year. Uh, he's got you know four million dollars in salary coming to him, and I just wonder if the Broncos think that they can get similar production uh, from a guy who they can pay a lot less. I don't think, I don't think it's the right move for them because I think Britton Colquitt over the last half of last year uh, was arguably one of the Broncos' five or six most valuable players, just because their offense couldn't really do a whole lot, and in particular, we saw in the Super Bowl. Uh, what he was able to do to negate a very potent Carolina return game. And so because of that, you know, look, I love Britton Colquitt. I think that he did a phenomenal job, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos are just trying to save a little bit of money here. I'm not a huge Riley Dixon fan. I saw him down at the Senior Bowl, was not particularly impressed. I thought he was good, but not great. And I think that, you know, if the Broncos do make this move here, I think, unfortunately, they're pushing out uh, you know, someone who did have a great run at the end of last year for a punter who, at this point in his career, you know, can't really hold a candle to him. Wow. Now, if you think the Broncos do make that move, you'd imagine Coco would land somewhere else, right? It depends what he wants from a salary perspective. I mean, he, he's not going to get... The problem is, at this point in the year, there isn't enough money to give a punter $4 million a year. You know, you're just not going to have that just because teams have already kind of figured out their budgets for this year. He's a guy that I think has the ability to, and he doesn't have the big legs, so he's not going to be a guy that, you know, goes out and is bombing 55-yard punts all the time. But he is a guy who, as we saw, the directional ability and the ability to just pin teams where you want them, you know, there's a lot of value in that. And you would figure someone may try to pick him up, but it really depends on what his salary demands are uh, going into the rest of the year. I mean, that's that's the unfortunate situation here is we often talk about talent, but in a situation with specialists, it can boil down to money sometimes just because teams want to spend their dollars elsewhere. Now, we did have one lawn snapper drafted. Now, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Chuck, you did not have any draftable lawn snappers, but we saw one come off the board, Jimmy Landis from Baylor to the Lions in the sixth round. Yeah, and, and we saw him down at the Senior Bowl, and I was talking with Joe Marino about him, and you know, neither of us came away particularly impressed. And, you know, I, I don't know. I was surprised last year when you saw the Patriots draft a long snapper. I'm surprised again this year that you see uh, the Lions drafting one just because it's a position where there are an awful lot of qualified guys. You don't necessarily need to spend draft capital in order to get a good long snapper. So from my perspective, you know, it's, it's not something that, that I would do even you know, as a sixth-round pick. 
uh, you know, 210th overall. Wasn't Tom Brady the 199th pick? Not saying that every six-round pick is going to be Tom Brady, but, you know, you can do a little bit better than a long snapper, I think, just because there are so many different positions uh, that can provide additional value. Long snapper, only value he provides is if you never know his name. Now you know Jimmy Landis' name. Well, there you go. Chuck, you covered a lot of kickers there. Do you want to – we got time for a Twitter question. You ready? Yeah, let's do a little Twitter question. All right. Let me pull it up here. It's from our friend Nath, who is at Zone Reads on Twitter. Uh, definitely give Nath a follow. He does some great stuff, uh, particularly with the New Orleans Saints as well as some other NFL coverage and draft coverage. He asks, Chuck, is Roberto Aguayo overrated? Is that 5 for 10 beyond 40 yards last season a legitimate enough reason to be concerned about him? Uh, in terms of being overrated, in no, yes and no. God, that's a crappy answer. Uh, <laughs> Roberto Aguayo, in terms of his pure talent, no, he's not overrated. He is as good of a draft prospect at kicker as you've seen in the last decade. In terms of was he overdrafted and is the pressure – uh, as a result of that, going to be a significant factor here? The answer is yes. He should not have been drafted in the second round. Uh, the highest I will ever rate a kicker is with a third-round grade. The reason being, you can simply get better value elsewhere. Aguayo being drafted in the second round, even towards the end of the second round, represents bad value to me. I think he ha- is going to have a very strong career in the NFL. Uh, I think that the fact that he was a part of this trade where a team moved up to take him in the second round is unfortunately going to be something that follows him because there's no way that he can outperform that. Think of, it's, There's no way you can outperform that. It's not a situation uh, like Adam Vinatieri where you're an undrafted free agent and you all of a sudden become the best kicker in NFL history. Someone traded up to get you. If you don't become the best kicker in NFL history... Everyone is going to be talking. So I think his pure talent, not overrated. I think the way that things went down this year as far as the draft uh, puts him a little bit behind the eight ball as far as going forward. Well, you heard it there, folks. Uh, Chuck Zada's thoughts on not just Roberto Aguayo, but all the specialists in this class. Chuck, I think it's time for happy hour. It certainly is. Let's get, let's get to the weekend, man. Well, we've crushed it this week. Folks, thanks as always for listening to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. My name is Mark Schoolfield. Please like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash inside the pylon. Follow us on Twitter. We are at ITPylon. Follow Chuck on Twitter, please. He is criminally underfollowed. Follow him for his thoughts on all things specialists. You can find him at ITP underscore Chuck Z. Chuck, have a great weekend, my friend. We will see you on Monday. Monday.